about Obi Wan Kenobi this week? Um, wasn't wasn't the direction I was expecting? No. Okay. Okay. We don't have to. We can we can we can save it for another day. I mean, I think it's cool. I love it. I think. <laughs> we can Do you talk think about in some places the, the effects uh, are a bit wonky? I don't know. Like in that running scene, I don't want to spoil any details. For people that haven't seen it, but spoiler. Yeah. In in a running scene, if you haven't seen it yet, when you look, the, the CGI has been pretty rough. So I've been watching it in the daytime with my big giant windows glaring on the TV, and it's very dark. So, so awesome. anything could be happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like put on a hat, so it's a little bit, a little bit better. <laughs> uh, Apple Store wage increase. So uh, this comes out of just nowhere that Apple announced uh, that they're going to increase. How much they pay retail workers across for, the board. For what reason would Apple suddenly decide? That, I think they found some extra money. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they've had the same base pay for about a decade and their yeah, company no has, you know, tripled in size, quadrupled in size in 10 years, nothing like that. And they just saw inflation and they're like, we're going to get ahead of it. Yeah, like, how generous <laughs> of them. No, like, super nice. So the, the news is that Apple Store base pay is going from about $17, $18 to $22 an hour minimum. Uh, for Apple Store workers, depending on local markets, you might even get higher rates depending on you know the local geography if stuff's more expensive. But the, the headline figure is for at, at least across the US, twenty two dollars minimum, uh, which is a pretty decent increase from the old base pay around eighteen. And clearly, there's a huge influence here, which is all of the union chatter that is going on. Like in, inflation is definitely a factor, but it's not like it because we've seen a lot of other tech companies increase wages recently in response to the inflation demands. And obviously, um, the, the sad reality of the economy is that most people in the world do not get wage increases that match inflation increases in situations like this, which is how you end up in like recession stuff. But big tech companies have a lot of money <laughs> and they even have more money now than they did two years ago. So they can afford to pay people more. Um, but the like contributing all of the like the the inflation is like the reason, but the the driver is the union chatter, right? So we've seen this pick up in various different places, a few different Apple stores over the last couple of months. It's kind of been growing and bubbling under the surface. We've seen some like I'd say like disaster style meetings. Like DJ O'Brien did like a video call where she was like saying, you know, we we're 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 worried about it, like. We don't want you to join unions, is basically what you're saying in nicer terms, right? And, you know, we have you on your side and stuff. But all of that kind of like PR fluff is what makes what makes change is money, right? And so Apple has realized that, oh, if they actually want to have a chance at preventing the unionization nationally of the Apple Store workers, then they're going to need to put um, their compensation up. And so here we are. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have an opinion on, on, uh, on unions at Apple, but... Uh, or in retail, but um, it it certainly did seem like there was they were sort of tiptoeing around the line of like what's legal and what's not in terms of messaging from headquarters. Do not do this, <laughs> you know. Like, and I think there were four stores in the U.S. and it's a very U.S. centric thing. Uh, and in Atlanta, they seemingly didn't have the votes, so they they said they're not going to hold the vote of the election to whether or not to form a union. So, um, but. I don't know. We, we talked about this offline before and it was sort of like, you know, geez, if you didn't have an opinion one way or the other and all you heard from corporate was like, this is going to be horrible for you. <laughs> You're like, oh, 
uh, I don't know. I don't really know either way, but if you say it's bad, it must be, maybe it isn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it, will, the, will the wage increase be enough to settle the chatter? Who knows? But it's obviously yeah. a, like this is this is the the nature of competitive business, right? Like there's bargaining from labour and there's bargaining from the employee from the employer. So you know they're threatening union action, even if it doesn't happen. At least the wage has been bumped up because you know back in the day, I would say like when I first you know was in was in the scene, which was probably about the time that you were actually working in the Apple Store, right? It always kind of felt like Apple Store wages were higher than market average for like a retail job and they 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 said i and this is maybe i was wrong but this is at least how i how i like perceived it was that you know they always pay pretty well but then the pay didn't increase year over year it kind of stayed flat for a long time and so you know fast forward to 2022 and the the base pay of the apple store was you know not the low it's not minimum wage it's not the lowest that it could have been but it wasn't like market leading or like a higher end pay it didn't seem like uh, so now they, I think they've bumped it up to a, a more reasonable level, of representing the, you know, the success of the company <laughs> that, is, yeah, that we've obviously yeah. observed for a decade. Yeah, my experience was I, I uh, had started at ten seventy five in Boca Raton, so a pricier market, but not like um, Miami or you can say, um, or like Boston or New York, and um, that was, that was pretty good compared to like a commission job <laughs> from before. And um, was pretty happy with that. And then there was the Browett era where people were being like not laid off, but just not not being scheduled as much. Like if you're a part time, maybe you would not have enough to make it worth your time. And uh, the New York Times had did like a multi piece expose on Apple retail sort of standards, and some of the pushback from that was, you know, of course Browett uh, was fired, and then there were raises across the board. And so I went from ten seventy five to fifteen eighteen an hour. Um, which, you know, compared to minimum wage, which then was 725 and then, um, now is 725 is, is pretty good. But I will also say, like, un, unattached to the rate I was paid, um, like highly demanding and stressful job. You know, I would say it's, I mean, definitely the hardest job I've ever had in terms of just like, you know, headspace and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, it was a lot. Um, and, and that was before, you know, modern challenges. So, um, so that's that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if I, I I would bet that there's that that the wage increase is um, is welcome, but also uh, and it, 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 but that we'll continue to see pushback against other things. Um, iPhone chip development. There's a report out that says that the next iPhone chip is going to be five nanometers, like the existing iPhone chip. So that's going to be the iPhone fourteen, like the iPhone thirteen, and. and I don't know. I don't know if this is related or not, but there was a separate rumor that that the Mac will go to three nanometers, and that would be before the iPhone does. Yeah, is there any sense to that? Yeah. So this is kind of um, so uh, a, a Twitter account called Shrimp Apple Pro reported this, and then a few days later, Ming Chi Kuo said the same thing. That if you look at the public published roadmap for TSMC's silicon fabs, and obviously TSMC is the contract manufacturer that Apple uses for all of its like leading edge note production, i.e. the A series chips, the M series chips, uh, the TNC basically saying that they won't have volume production, mass production available for three nanometer and four, na- four nanometer fabrication until next year. And obviously, the iPhone is incredibly high volume, and Apple couldn't survive on you know low volume, low yield production for their most popular product 
that does 100 million 200 million units a year so they obviously if you're if you're basing it purely off what tsmc have publicly said that they can do there's no choice for apple but to continue to use a five nanometer uh, fabrication process for the a16 chip and this would be i believe the first time ever that the nanometers or the first time in a long time that the nanometer fabrication has stayed the same for three years in a row normally they do it every two years so like the a13 was seven nanometer then the a14 was five nanometer the a15 was five nanometer which is expected if you're following normal typical trends the a16 i.e this year's chip would shrink slightly um maybe to four or to three and obviously that doesn't seem to be happening probably chip shortage is a problem but also even if you weren't in the kind of post-covid era of silicon (laughs) supply issues as the nanometers gets lower it becomes exponentially more difficult to make these developments and to be able to create chips at those smaller and smaller fabrication feature sizes uh, with decent yields so even if you were ignoring all the supply chain issues and stuff it like that over time the two the every two year upgrade probably was unsustainable right so it's not going to be able to continue forever i mean even if they were going every two years consistently they were already at five you can't really get much smaller right so you change the unit change the unit yeah because uh, and again nanometer like measurements are almost like a marketing headline rather than a specific tech spec but you can compare like tsmc's 10 7 5 but you can't necessarily compare it directly to what like Intel's, like TSMC 7 is like Intel's 10, if that makes sense. So there's a bit of like, you know, mushiness when you compare across manufacturers. But unless we have some crazy development in like, you know, quantum computing stuff, you're not going to get much more than one nanometer because at that level, like the nanometer is basically, the nanometer measure is basically saying how close the transistors, the transistors are on the chip. And so if the transistors are close together, it takes less energy and less time for the data to move through the chip, so for the electrical circuits to move around, which redu- which reduces power consumption and it improves performance speed. So that's why normally getting a die shrink of nanometer improvements is really good because you don't have to do basically any architecture changes just by shrinking stuff. Everything on the board is physically getting close together, which reduces power consumption and makes everything faster. Uh, when you don't have architecture shrinks, you then have to rely on Apple to do more smarts in terms of optimizing the layout and all the transistors that are there to make better use of them to improve them to maybe change the allocations in different ways so this isn't to say that the a16 chip will be exactly the same performance as the a15 chip it probably will still be better in some ways uh but if you're waiting for that next big leap in and market change it's probably not gonna be this year the 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 mac side of things is interesting and this is less um set in stone but there's some speculation that the mac chip uh is going to three nanometers but that might not be till next year anyway so what quo was saying is that he his his position is that the macbook air the new macbook air that's coming out this year even if apple calls it an m2 chip it's basically going to be like a modification of the m1 chip using a five nanometer production process the same general chip architecture maybe it adds a couple of cores maybe a couple of extra cpu cores a couple of gpu cores but it would still be like the m1 base which is based on the a14 right uh the idea the 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 expected m2 chip or previously expected m2 chip with you know the a15 architecture um maybe with a smaller fabrication size quo is saying that that might not arrive until next year maybe in like the higher even if it was called like m2 pro and then the base m2 was 
still using the older architecture. Like, obviously, for the M1 generation, it was very simple. M1, M1 Max, M1 Pro, M1 Ultra, the base architecture is all the same. It's basically just doubling or quadding the, the arrangements, right? But for the M2 generation, it might be more complicated where the lower-end chips are much more distinguished from the higher-end chips if this, is all, if this all bears fruit. And in that sense... Apple might release quote-unquote M2 chips this year, but they would still be at the 5 nanometer stuff. The the new architecture M2 chips, maybe like the M2 Pro chip, would still come in 2023. So that's the the rumor expectation, or at least what the rumors are saying. It's unclear how truthful that is. Like, it's not well... That that kind of the equation, it isn't well sourced. Um, So we'll have have to see. Yeah, my thought is that, um, you know, just based on on that one mention of 3 nanometers for the Mac, it's that... You know, one thing that would support that idea is that the Mac is way less volume than than the iPhone, and so mm-hmm. if you, you can make them, but not at scale, like iPhone scale. Then you could still benefit the Mac, um, and that would give you experience toward, before the iPhone. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And yields—it's all about yields, right? Because if you can get if you can get ninety percent for an iPhone chip, you need high yields because that's how you get your margin, right? If you have fifty percent yield, that means you're going to, have to charge twice as much for the component because you're going to, have to throw half them away. And what what do Macs benefit from? Higher starting prices, right? Ignoring the MacBook Air, like if you're talking about like a MacBook Pro or an iMac or like a Mac Pro, you can use chips architectures with lower yield at, for that time because A, you can charge more for the devices and B, the, the volumes are lower, like you said. So it doesn't matter if you throw half of them away because you've still got enough to satisfy the 700,000, 1 million units a quarter demand that you actually need. Whereas on the iPhone side, when you're needing like, a million units per day it, the the calculus is very different so yep and then on the m2 side um you know it, it's all in marketing but if the actual like what you get is different from what you expected architecturally then mm-hmm. um i would say what i would look at is the feature set if you can have an m2 that's based on m1 that can support multiple displays then that's that's a you know that's a that's a generational leap from the M1 because you know you went from Intel to, to to Apple Silicon and you lost that feature on the MacBook Air and the M1 MacBook Pro. So you know if they, if if that's like a feature set of of the new MacBook Air and uh, and then then I count that as a, as an upgrade at least. Yeah, because they could do like a because obviously the M1 Pro chip supports more than one display yeah. already, right? So yeah. if, if you imagine this M2 chip as like an in-between between an M1 and M1 Pro, so you get a couple of extra GPU cores, you get a couple of extra CPU cores, you get an extra Thunderbolt lane so you can do the second display, that seems very feasible and achievable, uh, even at a lower price point, right? And maybe the battery life isn't quite as good as the 2020 MacBook Air, but I think that was probably a big outlier anyway, just because it was a weird... Yeah, I was thinking about that too, and, when, and we'll talk more about hardware at the end of the show, but I was thinking about that where... Um, I feel almost certain that the next MacBook Air will not have this battery, the battery life that the, the this current MacBook Air has. <laughs> so, yeah, um, all the all the 2020 M1 machines they were great, right? But I do think some of the thing, like some some of the decisions, were just a fact of this is what they had, so this is how it worked. Not this is actually what they're aiming for. And so, in some sure. cases, they didn't quite meet it, and in other cases, they exceeded their targets, right? And so, with the second generation, with the third generation, we, we might see those things come more in line because you look at like the m1 pro and m1 max macbook pros they're great machines i love mine but the battery life like feels less crazy compared to a macbook air if you see what i mean yeah so uh, those 20 those first 2020 machines were 
I'd, I'd definitely call them outliers. They were great, and they they kickstarted Apple Silicon in a huge way. But the exact design decisions that we see there are not necessarily representative of what Apple like truly wants to be the case. I'd say. Yeah. Well, I haven't replaced my 2020 Air, so they're still great. Um, and then lastly, iPad production has not been replaced, but it's shifted some to Vietnam. Or, or soon will apparently start in Vietnam soon, as soon, well. Yeah, soon yeah, will. So and, this, and, we, and there was um, a, another supply chain report last week about Apple telling its suppliers that, you know, for a while we've they've been talking about moving bigger production outside of China. Well, uh, before apparently it was like tentative and then COVID happened, so stuff got delayed. Uh, but now Apple's apparently told suppliers like, for new product lines, we really want to for you to emphasize and to go and do contracting in countries like Vietnam and India because we don't want to localize everything into China. So next time we have something big order for you, make sure you go and check whether you can make this elsewhere, basically, it was the suggestion. And this is partly because of all the supply problems and China-Shanghai lockdowns and the ongoing risks of trade war between US and China. So it makes there's a whole load of reasons why Apple wants to diversify geographically. Uh, Obviously, this just is incredibly slow paced and it takes a lot of time. We've seen them do it with like AirPods, they're producing in Vietnam, HomePod minis producing in Vietnam as well. Uh, but this would be the first time that an iPad is not produced in China, supposedly. So, in the coming weeks and months, apparently Apple's going to start up iPad production in Vietnam. And if you remember from the last supply, from the last quarterly earnings call, their biggest supply constraint was the iPad, right? So that might have something to do with it because <laughs> they've been struggling to not produce enough in their current factories, so they need to expand. And so if you're going to expand, why not do it in another country? All right. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Jamf. Find out more at jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Jamf is the only company in the world that provides complete end-to-end management and security solutions for Apple devices in the workplace. Jamf's purpose purpose is to simplify work with an offering that is enterprise secure, but consumer simple, and of course, protecting personal privacy. You can use Jamf with your organization to set up zero-touch deployment for your Apple devices and then manage their entire lifetime with your employees. You can set up the self-service app catalog so that all the specific apps you need to get work done are easily accessible on those enrolled devices, alongside things like OS upgrades, printer drivers, useful ebooks, and other documentation. Self service helps to reduce help desk tickets and decrease long term support costs. And by being dedicated to Apple specific solutions, they have an unrivaled platform wide offering and are renowned for offering same day OS support across all of Apple's devices. So, for instance, that means when iOS 16 comes out this fall, Jamf will be ready for it. Today, more than 62,000 organizations trust Jamf to manage and secure more than 27 million devices worldwide. Learn more about Jamf's complete offering by going to jamf.com slash 9to5mac. That's spelled J-A-M-F dot com slash number 9 T-O number 5 M-A-C. Jamf.com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Jamf for sponsoring the show. Happy Hour is also brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying the burden of high interest debt, perhaps that's multiple credit cards and only paying off the minimums. That's a tough situation to ever see the light at the end of the tunnel. And often it can be even harder to ask for help. It's just a discouraging cycle. Well, that's where Upstart can come in to help. Upstart's powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy to understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Upstart has already helped more than 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. 
Rather than looking at your just your credit score, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to help you find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Upstart for sponsoring the show. WWDC is, uh, it kicks Ooh. off on Monday. Yeah, yeah, just a few days. And uh, hmm, it feels kind of light in terms of expectations, in terms of whoa what what we can expect you know light you think it light i feel like it's it's light in terms of spoilers yes maybe maybe what's coming is not light but we haven't had some crazy last minute leaks there hasn't been like a leak build we haven't got crazy inside information this time around no there's a lot of like very vague very vague ideas that there's going to be big updates but nothing, no specific features, really. The only, the biggest thing that I'm like hyped up on is that report that Mark had that the public beta for iOS 16 is going to be delayed to the third rather than the second <laughs> seed because yes. that just inspires in my head that oh, they got to be changing a lot of stuff for this to for this to be the case. Because if it were if it was a less interesting release, then why would it? Why would that be problematic? Because he, he, like, in that same report, it was like, he expects the first developer betas to be buggy. It's like, yes, that means they're changing a lot of stuff, you know? <laughs> like, I can deal with the bugs. Give me the features. So that's the thing that I'm currently riding high on. I guess we'll see next week whether that's actually justified or not. Yeah, alternatively, it could just be they're behind the usual pace. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and something you've, you've, you've noted is that there seems to be sort of a lot of people going in person just just from looking around on twitter and you know friends and everything yeah this is like this is another time for me to jab at you about the in-person situation but on a serious matter like loads of people have been invited and quite a lot of them are going so it's not and an, like i've heard uh, way more than i expected in terms of the number of press that are attending like a lot of the relay folks are going like a lot of people on twitter i've seen have got invites and tickets and they did like a second wave of developer invites as well for people that applied through the lottery process. So, like, and again, this can only be done anecdotally. They've they've clearly got hundreds of people descending on Apple Park on Monday, like for their first transitionary period back to like a full, you know, in person WDBC situation. They haven't held back, I don't think, on the number of people that are going. Like, there's going to be hundreds of them. So, that's that's an interesting thing to watch in terms of like managing. And of course, we've seen them. You know, they've. They, we talked about it last week. They got that full schedule of stuff for you to do. They're going to keep you occupied with something, whether it's compelling or not is a different matter. But they're going to get you. Then you know, they're going to give these people stuff to do. And it's not like a small scale fair of oh, we've invited a hundred people along to you know watch a video. Like they they're doing like a proper day. It's going to require a lot of manpower and a lot of organization and processing for stuff to happen. So they're not just like messing around. What do you think at this point? Do you think because obviously they've said that they're inviting developers to come and watch the keynote and the State of the Union streams, right? They've already said they're they're, they're mostly pre-recorded. Do you think there's going to be a live element at all? Like, will we at home see Tim Kirk, 
Federighi on like an actual stage going live, or is it all going to be a video? Uh, I, I mean, what I hope to see is is the introductory elements live, and then the video is prepared, and a nice transition between those two throughout the show. Yeah, uh, it still it, it still feels like just just the preparation, just what's easier for this form this mixed format is. Um, it's, 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 the keynote itself is all video and then I guess I guess last year they did the State of the Union was all video as well and that seems like maybe that could be just in person the design, the design awards really that could be in person as well but you've just just the prepared stuff you've got I think videos for the keynote what if the video was all no video what if, what if the keynote was no video at all it was all you know, developer center stage production or well, like they literally production. went back to a full like real time yeah. production. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think they've signaled that's not happening because they specifically said keynote video right in that first invite sure. to get people to come. Yeah. Uh, so there's questions: Is it going to be in the Steve Jobs Theater? Probably thinking no. Uh, so then, what they're going to do? Sit out on the grass and have a good time with a little picnic? Like I don't know. But what I'm imagining is going to happen is they've got a two-hour video that's basically all pre-recorded including transition between between the, the speakers so i think what's going to happen is they'll have a live introduction where tim cook comes out he can say how great it is that we're in person now after two years of you know being away he can like talk about how nice apple park is and we welcomed a thousand or you know welcomed all these people to join to share it with us then they can do some crowd shots everyone can cheer maybe they'll have like what something that is in person as like a, an intro demo. I I can't think of a better example right now than like Anki Cars. You remember that debacle? But something of that nature, just to like have the audience interaction, and then they transition into the the video section, and then obviously at the very end, Tim comes out to close. That's how I'm expecting it to go at the moment. I think if they were all seated in Steve Jobs Theatre, then maybe they could have done a more um, regimented like Tim Cook comes out shows a little video, then Craig Fiedery comes out, shows a little video, you know, and, and pass the baton that way. But I don't think that's going to happen. So if they're all like jamming out in front of that rainbow stage, you can have like Tim Cook introduce and he'll be like, and now roll the tape and off the video goes. That's currently where I'm where I'm sitting on that on that kind of situation. Yeah. I, huh. And, and we, we, you kind of feel strongly about not Steve Jobs Theater, huh? I th- I, just based on the number of people that they've they've told that are coming, like if they'd have only invited a hundred, then you could like do it in the studio theatre ethically with COVID concerns, right? Because then you could like spread them out a bit more. But they clearly invited hundreds of people, and studio theatre is not gigantic; like it can fill about a thousand people total. And you know, even if you've got like five hundred people going, you're not going to be able to like, well, look, if you're uncomfortable, you can sit slightly far apart because then there's not going to be enough chairs, right? So that's that's kind of where I'm leaning on that on that side of the equation. Yeah, and and the developer center, however, presentation would go there seems a lot smaller. Yeah, and that is a that is a that is, it could be at the developer center because I guess they do like if you just you just need a lot of chairs, but it's not clear to me how big the developer center is. And again, it's indoors, right? So with the COVID situation, especially when they tightened the rules last week, where they're like, we're requiring you to do a negative test and you're gonna have to wear masks at all time indoors. Like that strictness implies to me that it would be pretty against the grain for them to be like, well, here's our keynote. It's all indoors, you know. Like I feel like yeah. it's got to be an outdoor thing. Yeah, and this is the only time we can speculate about it because in a few days it'll it'll have happened. Um, but an hour and a half or two hours of watching a keynote outside, like on a screen, 
it kind of makes my head hurt and makes me tired to think about. But I know Google I.O. did theirs for like five hours outside. So, And they'll make it worth it with the rest of the stuff. Like that lunch break thing in the schedule is obviously where they're going to trot out Federighi and Tim Cook and they'll go around and shake everybody's hands and have pictures and stuff. So that'll make the day worth it for the people that go out there. And if they do have hardware or something, there'll be a little like demo zone or at least a you can look but no touching zone, you know, like they'll make it yeah. worthwhile. But yeah, like everyone understands. It's probably going to mostly be a video because that's why they signaled it ahead of time. But I think it'd be cool if they do do an, like an in-person introduction. To, to we, we are getting a look now at the swag. Uh, some, someone has shared this uh, recently where you got a beanie with a yellow Apple logo on it, a black beanie with a yellow Apple logo. You get your AirPods Pro. Um, you get your pens, which, which there's uh, seems to be about seven. Oh, this is the student challenge swag, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get a sweatshirt that has a black. It's black with a yellow Apple logo, and then on the uh, left sleeve it says WWDC twenty two. So that seems to be the swag for this year. No, no, uh, like playing cards. Uh, no playing cards. No, um, no, no. no That's what I thought they were going to do swag for because the AR like invite thing this yeah. year is like virtual playing cards, like Pokemon cards, but they have like emoji on them and they're like developers so i thought what they were going to do for the for the swag was they were going to hand out physical versions of those cards and you could like swap them between yourself to like collect them all or something but yeah they they, they clearly haven't done that no no headsets no uh no headsets no, yeah. no car keys. Can you imagine they just yeah. gave you the apple headset and your student challenge winning back yeah, yeah before the keynote even. yeah <laughs> no one tweet this out yeah. no That's car funny. keys no uh yeah um hmm so yeah the, the trading card thing that just made me feel old because I was thinking like, oh, back in my day, we got excited over banners going up at Moscone West before uh, WWDC. The banners were up. cool. Like that the was banners a cool were time. Cool. Yeah. I, the best year was 2013 with iOS 7. And what was the what was the Mac OS 10 name that year? Was, it, was that Mavericks? Yeah, that was Mavericks. And the, the banner was just an X in just white. Yeah. It was just a white X on a wave yeah. background and nothing else. Yeah, I but then the OS it. didn't have any design changes at all. No, no, just <laughs> yeah, but it just switched from cats, but um, cat names. But but iOS seven, I mean, that was like very thin. The seven was so was the X, and it was just kind of a hint at uh, you know the things to come. But this year is interesting because it is so different, right? Like, sure, we haven't seen we haven't seen it done this way. The developer center is all new. That'd be yeah. cool for them to see like what's going on there, and um, they've. They've interestingly, they're going to host at least events at the Developer Center because this week, uh, John Gruber's The Talk Show announced that they're going to do the talk show live from the Developer Center, which has got to be the first time that like an Apple event has happened, like a public event has happened on Apple campus that isn't run by Apple. Like I can't think of another case where that's that's been that's been true. Yeah, yeah, unless you count like family days, but that's yeah, like, that's like private, right? Isn't it? It's yeah. not like a public thing. And and, and, and each year, he has someone from Apple, a couple of people from Apple interview. Uh, but 2020 and 2021, those were both video based, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just did virtual based. like Zoom videos. Yeah. So th- this is, has an in person element to it. Yeah, yeah, and he's inviting people to come and attend. <laughs> yeah, a few people, and, and the ticketing is through Apple, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's events.apple.com that you can sign up through. Yeah, very much Apple handling. I don't know how many people will go because I think a lot of people will just assume that this would be a one-day thing. And so people have been like book travel to return on Tuesday and the talk show live is Tuesday afternoon. But 
yeah, it doesn't matter to me because I'm watching it from home anyway, virtually. Yeah. So I'll be I'm ready sure to watch how- the, the video when it goes up on YouTube. Well, Apple TV Plus. Or, but, or, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, a few people go, I'm sure there'll be enough people in town, either locals or people still in town, to fill out the the capacity of whatever the capacity is. I, ho- I hope they get uh, Craig Federighi for the Talk Show Live because they're, they're always the best ones when they have Federighi. Yeah, he's good. It, yeah. I've been to two in the, in the live era. Um, Which two did you see? 13, 2013. Oh, yeah. So the iOS 7 one, yeah. Yeah. And then I think it was 2018 or 2017, but it was the one with um, the. It, it it was it was Jaws and the AR guy Rockwell. Mike Rockwell, it? you went to that one. I did go to that one. Yeah, because uh, the information yeah. described Mike Rockwell as charismatic, and at least based on the video of the Tad Talk Show Live that I watched, he didn't come across as charismatic in in that. Well, I, I was there with Jordan Kahn from Nine to Five Mac, and uh, we, we had a couple of drinks before, so everybody was charismatic. But um, yeah, it's, Maybe, it's, I mean, the problem with Mike Rockwell, I guess, is that he was there talking about like vague AR kit stuff and obviously right. his like baby project it hasn't been announced and you know fast forward four years and we're still questioning whether it'll be announced this week so that's yeah. he was just in like a waiting zone really so maybe when he his when maybe when the headset is legit we'll see Mike Rockwell like flourish in public yeah I can't wait for the headset to come out because I want I want to start calling it a flop <laughs> I can't do it preemptively so. you can start preemptively <laughs> I think AR is a gimmick um Let's see what we've got next. We've got, uh, yeah, talk show. So if you're there, you're there. And if you're, there, you're there. I'm really excited to see the general like logistics of this WWC because it will give us a clue about what they're going to do next year, right? Because if this goes well, they could do this again next year, even if it just invite more people and do a two-day event or a three-day event. Like It doesn't necessarily have to go back to the thing where they would invite people to San Jose. If they're comfortable doing Apple Park this year, maybe they're comfortable doing in Apple Park forever, and the developer center is like the hub for that. Yeah, it's very funny seeing the screenshots from the like developer lounges that are Slack rooms. It's like, hey, it's Slack, again. <laughs> <laughs> especially all, after all the uh, like employee uh, problems they've had, where everyone yeah. was like complaining about workplace <laughs> issues in Slack. Yeah. And they've all got like coded names Stupid right names, now, yeah. and, they're, and they're locked, and then they'll unlock, you know, and have their normal names. But yeah, because in the in the, again in the pre-COVID times, they would release the um, session schedule in the developer app, and they'd all be like TBA names, wouldn't they? And then the event would happen, and they would unlock all them. But in the post-COVID world, they don't release that stuff because obviously the, the video just come out. So yeah, and the and the the, the lounges are <laughs> Slack rooms. So. Hmm. We could host a conference in Slack, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many people would you need for it to be a conference? You could say we're hosting a conference right now. I mean, this is the conference call. Sure. And conferences need sponsors. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Ladder. You know, I've started wearing glasses this year and it, it kind of hit me. Oh, oh, damn, I am getting older. And stuff like fam, stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant. Life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. Ladder has taken the life insurance industry, modernised it for a digital world, and shook out all of the inefficiencies. And as you are reminded just how fragile life is, it makes sense where people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. You just need to pay a little bit each month to protect the ones that you love. If you're thinking about this stuff, then why not choose Ladder for your life insurance plan? Ladder is a 100% digital service. 
when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. You fill out Ladder's application form and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved. Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. You can even get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and Ladder even made Forbes's best life insurance list of 2021. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure, but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's ladderlife.com slash happy hour, spelled L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com dot com slash happy hour thanks to ladder for sponsoring the show all right ios 16 in a few days we'll know all about it um but for now we've, we've we have some expectations we can free will wildly about <laughs> sure so go ahead what do you think yeah so the big thing that's been like rumored is this idea of customization interactivity whatever you want to call it on the lock screen and like Mark called it widget-like wallpapers. I think a lot of people are just thinking they're just going to take, you know, the today view screen you can get to at the moment on the iPhone by swiping to the left when you're on the lock screen because you have like spotlight search and your widgets. And But why does it have to be a swipe away? Optionally, why not just let you put those widgets on the left on your main screen so when you pick up your phone, you can see stuff like your music playback or your the weather forecast or photos of family that's dynamically changing, like... I think we said this on the show many times before, but if you look at the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch like lock screen is the clock face, and the clock face has so much customization, even without third-party watch faces. But through you know you have like thirty different designs of watches to choose from. You can customize the colors in many different ways, and it's very dynamic because you can put all the complications on that can show you dynamically changing data and information. And then you go to the iPhone lock screen, and it's just completely static. You can't even change the buttons at the bottom for camera and torch, right? They're just fixed in place. You can't change them if you want. If you have other apps, you prefer to be there instead. So I think a big theme for iOS 16 this year is going to be ways to do more on that lock screen. I don't necessarily think they're going to put the exact same compl- the exact same widgets that you get on the home screen today and put them on the lock screen. That would work, but I think Apple is the kind of they want to give like more design control over the lock screen. So you might not get like the because f- basically a widget. You can basically show whatever you want, right? Like a, any developer can basically do what have that rectangle. They can color it and design it in any way they choose. Whereas if you look at like the Apple Watch, the complication system is more controlled and more locked down. So you have like a set of styles of complication, and then the the information can be shown in those styles. And so that's how I'm kind of thinking they're going to approach it for the iPhone lock screen. Because you kind of get one complication right now dynamically if you have a timer set, because it will show you like a, a countdown clock of the time, the remaining time on the lock screen but obviously like that goes away once the time is over and that it can only be done through the official clock app there's no third-party integration today but i could very easily see them branch that out so you can choose to have like the weather complication always on your lock screen you can choose to have your to-do list or your notes always on the lock screen you can choose to have your third-party timer app show up on the lock screen and maybe you can even have a couple of bit of buttons 
right? Like a, you can launch this app, you can launch that app, you can automatically dismiss something from here. Like the lock screen, we're, we're at iOS 15 right now. The lock screen is incredibly unflexible in how it can be done. Basically, everybody's lock screen looks the same apart from the wallpaper they choose. And so I think iOS 16 is the time for them to sort it out. And that seems to be backed up by the rumors. Are you looking forward to lock screen stuff? Yeah, I'm excited. And I, you know, so a few things. Getting rid of home screen zero, I think is nice. Mm-hmm. This, this could also be the year they get rid of the classic widget styles. Oh, yeah, because they still exist if you, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can only put them on home screen zero. But I also think that this year they could, like, it seems like you'll have to update your widget for iOS 16 specifically. Mm-hmm especially if you want to be on the lock screen. And I think the lock screen will have constraints that consider the iPhone 14 and, you know, always on display. Like they'll almost like an Apple watch complication on a series five or later. So, and and that's kind of, that that can kind of be the feature. Like, I mean, an always on display that only has time isn't really wonderful, but if you can have, customizable widgets then i think that would be more more easy, easier to market and and more useful yeah maybe you can't have like a hundred of them on active but you can choose like two or three to go in like yeah. slots on the lock screen almost whatever will fit without scrolling right yeah or, or if, if they're worried about like power consumption maybe it's like limited to only like two so like you can only have two sure. but you can have the time plus two or something because yeah you know like on like the apple watch has complication slots right they could put complication slots on the lock screen and only give you like two or three and then if you have a phone with more RAM or battery, you get three or four, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, if home screen zero goes away and there are these lock screen complications, then I could also imagine that you swipe down on your phone screen to, to summon this screen as well when, you're, when your phone isn't locked. So um, that, you, that you've got, you know, if you're in whatever app, you know, you can still get to, to those. That would be kind of cool. You can swipe down and get to whatever widgets you put there because right now home screen zero is like you get there from the homepage and you have to go back to the home screen to get to widgets. Um, you can't necessarily, oh, I guess you, you swipe down and you still, I think you can still swipe over if you pull down. But um, anyway, it would be one less step in lots of different places. And, and maybe they could put, maybe they could replace home screen zero with the app library. Yeah, yeah. That would probably make better organizational sense. Sure, especially, I mean, if absolutely. I don't mind how it is now for my use case because my home screen layout for years has always been select apps on the first screen and then folders organized alphabetically by category on the second screen. And so I just stopped doing that method and just had home screen one and then, and then app library. But app library, like when I hear that people don't use it or, or don't care for it, I can understand if you want to have like two or three or five home screens, because once you get to the very end to app library, you might as well have just used spotlight or yep. something else. Um, and, and I've gotten so used to app library that like I will have apps on the home screen, home screen one, and I'll still just have sort of a, uh, just habit of going to app library and then picking, picking the app from there. If you um, could, would you, would you like to be able to make like, the app, bri- the app library home screen one, i.e. that's the first thing you see when you unlock. I, w- I would, yeah. <laughs> I think, that honestly, but if, if you could keep the dock, so you have like the four icons at the bottom that you can yeah. choose, and then you just have app library for the rest of the screen, that would also be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, efficient, yeah. <laughs> we, they did some notification stuff last year, and I feel like they make changes to notifications like 
almost every year, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller. We've already seen uh, Felipe Esposito putting this in iOS 15 code that they're getting ready for focus modes to like a new second generation of focus modes that won't be compatible with current devices running the older software because the, the like the, the string message was like you need to update take advantage of this for this focus mode to activate so they're obviously going to do stuff with focus modes and burn on what they did the year before anytime they change stuff with notifications i i welcome it because like you, you're never you're never satisfied because <laughs> they could they can always do more they're always problematic you, you, they always have to like tread this line of being too complicated for anybody to do it versus being too trivial that they're not really like the notification filtering options that you do have aren't good enough and don't actually ch- f- tackle the problem. So they this could be something they keep doing for 10 years, honestly, and never quite get on a perfect solution. But I'm happy for them to keep working on it. I'm sure there'll be changes there. In terms of like general app design, I don't think we're in like for an iOS 7 redesign or anything crazy like that. But there's pro- there has been more of a trend to like the... Like the I don't, I'm also not convinced that we're going to see anything as drastic as what they did with Safari last year because... They got so much backlash from it that they can't just be like, you can't have that summer of Safari stupidness and then be like, okay, for the next generation OS, we're going to make every single app work that way uh, because it's going to cause them crazy like issues and, and backlash. So even if you want them to be aggressive, I feel like they, they kind of got burned by the Safari situation. Even if the end result was decent, like the, the work to get there will be in you know, it will last in your memory for a while. So I don't expect crazy app redesigns. Maybe they'll do it to like a couple of apps that people don't really care about. But I think, you know, any new features probably going to be more centered around like trays that come up from the bottom, for instance. And we've already seen, you know, when they did that accessibility post in the books app, for instance, uh, where you're going to get like theming options, that doesn't come from the top. It comes from like a bottom tray. I'm sure we'll see more bottom trays around the system. A lot of people want interactive widgets. Obviously, widgets came out in iOS 14. They were very popular, but they're essentially billboards, like static billboards of content. You can't interact with them. I want interactivity too, but there are issues with like, you know, if if there's too many buttons on screen that do stuff, if you like swipe between your home screens, you might accidentally activate them versus just launching an app and stuff. So they do have to tread carefully. I think there's, there's scope for them to add like a basic button interaction. So you can tap on one thing and it can do an action without having to launch the application every single time. For instance, I think all of the stuff that you can get in Control Center today as those Control Center tiles should instead or, or, or in addition be available as widgets that you could put on the home screen. And for that, you'd need like, you know, a pause button to work in the now playing widget, for instance. And it doesn't seem like a crazy ask for that to be something that can happen i don't think you're going to have widgets act like mini applications with crazy dynamic dynamic behavior but if you've got a music widget just let someone pause the music by tapping a button you know like i feel like that should be fine and they have some widgets today that do like some system widgets do offer interactivity so it's not like a a thing that's clearly impossible but they haven't unlocked that for third parties like the shortcuts widget can activate without launching the app the the they have Siri suggestions and then the contacts widget is crazy and that it like launches this whole like separate window thing when you tap on tap on a face. Yeah, yeah, we were discussing that last night. How, yeah, how feature rich the contacts app that launches from the widget is compared to the contacts app, <laughs> and it appears in multitasking as well. Um, so that's it's interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I hear the call for more interactive widgets. Um, also though, it does seem like. I mean, maybe they could do both, but I, uh, if I were to guess, I, it would be that Apple wants everyone's attention on making your widgets ready for always on display iPhones. Mm-hmm. 
and that lock screen style. And so that's like the opposite direction of more interactive widgets because you want those to be less powerful. Yeah, um, that's very true. Yeah. And you can imagine that like the, the engineering manpower that's been assigned to do that stuff would also be the same engineers that would make interactive widget APIs. So they might have had other priorities, you know. That's right. That's right. Uh, Josie, Josie Odino, our colleague Manfred Mac, had a fun post this week where he was asking for the low power alert, which when you get to like 10% battery, it pops up with a big classic style iOS alert that you have to explicitly dismiss. He was asking for that to get changed to like a little toast that comes down from the top of the screen, like the muting one when you when you flick the, the, the mute switch on the side. I'd love to see that. It's just small little things like that. Like iOS is mature and... Audio in general feels like one of the places uh, where it still feels immature, if that makes sense. Like multiple audio tracks, managing audio, when you like have a background music playing, but then you open Twitter and then it just pauses your background music. Like They need better policies and better handling and all that kind of stuff. And then you I have like, the, the AirPods also switching. Like If they can't make it work well automatically, they need to offer more controls in terms of like, this app is allowed to take over control of the audio or you can manually disable it or something like iOS in general, I'm very satisfied with, but lock screen is definitely like one of the places where I wish I could have slightly more customization. And then audio is probably next up there for me in terms of just like, you you let me do all this crazy stuff like drag and drop, but you won't let me run two audio streams at the same time. And that, or, and that not only limits what you can do, it also makes what you can't do more confusing because then stuff takes over your audio without you even having any control to stop it and that's just really frustrating yeah yeah i, I figured out what the notification changes this year um you mentioned the bottom focus design mm-hmm. flow you know carplay has bottom notifications they come up from the bottom which to me it can be frustrating when you've got all this ui on the bottom and navigation that you're trying to get to or you're listening to a song and music and you want to like add it to your library or favorite it and the, the banner is in the way for navigation but um what, what if the change is bottom alerts instead of from the top probably That'd be more interesting intrusive. actually yeah yeah probably more intrusive than than useful but um yeah then, then you'll cover you add all this bottom navigation and then you cover them with bottom alerts as well so yeah. like yeah maybe the yeah, alerts I'll, should always stay at the top of the screen yeah, really low power, huh? Uh, you know, the, those low power alerts. Um, I'm sure that changes on the watch this year based on the watch getting low power mode proper instead of reserve power mode. Um, but like if, if your watch is, is in, it hits, 20, I think it's 20% and goes into the red, then until you dismiss that alert, every time you raise your wrist, that's the screen that you see. So you can like glance at it and then think, you know, whatever, I'll charge when I can. And then look at the watch again, and it's still going to be there unless you dismiss it manually. Um, so I'm sure that changes when you get low power mode. But on on the iPhone, just any modal dialogue. Yeah, like, I get I get why they make it modal because they want you to really know and not have your phone die out unexpectedly. But any modal alert feels stale and dated, and I don't think anybody likes those. So even if you just make it an option and it it, it isn't even the default, then that would be welcome. Um, in particular, like feature requests, there's two things that come to mind. And I, you know, I, I haven't been as imaginative as, as previous years about iOS feature requests. Um, same to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard. I mean, it, every year it comes harder and harder to think of stuff that's like practically useful and also something Apple might do, you know? Like, yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of previous year stuff that hasn't come yet. Yeah. You don't want to repeat what you say every other year. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
but but there's two things that come to mind um just in recent weeks that I've thought that ah, has to be better if it changed. Um the first one is when the Apple Watch charges you uh and you're you're on your iPhone, you get a notification, well, sort of, that your watch is 100% charged. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, but there's no sound and I think it should have sound. Very simple. <laughs> it should have a very pleasant sound, like something from um, like photos, memories or something, how they have nice sounds for that. Uh, because you only see it when you pick up your iPhone the next time. And it's like a banner, you know, but it's on, it's on your lock screen or if you're actively in your phone, it pop, it rolls in. But if it's on your lock screen, I, I just get frustrated when I pick up the phone and it's been like 30 minutes and the, the watch has been charged. And I'm like, oh, I could have put it back on, <laughs> you know, if I would have heard that alert. But because it's silent, I did not. Um, the other thing is a little bit more advanced, but it's something I think everyone would, would welcome. Well, I guess two things in this area too. Um, music. I, I, I was doing the thing where I had music playing on the iPhone and I got home and I transferred it to the HomePod mini by putting it very close. And that's, that's really cool. And they added the feature where you can, if you're leaving home, you can put your iPhone to the HomePod and take the music with you. I think that works, but that also seems like an over engineered solution to like, I don't know, iCloud sync for music. <laughs> Just, which would be useful in lots of places. You yeah. know, if you're listening to, um, man, I mean, there's so many, there's so many basic features for radio stations that, that we've, we've asked for since uh, 2015, but that haven't come. But, um, you know, even, even if you don't allow following a radio show or subscribing to a radio show, you, you could sync your, your progress. And for radio, like the show I listen to, uh, after school radio with Mark Hoppus, it's two hours long each week. And I have to listen on one device because it doesn't sync your place. You know, like none of your music syncs place really. And it, <laughs> I did it. I did an iOS update and it lost my place on my phone. Uh, I'm like, oh, gotta find out where I was again. So um, but yeah, but so that, that, you know, and there's just lots of places like, you know, Spotify does a pretty good job of that. I yeah. Think. Spotify and, does yeah. do a good job. I think it's called like Spotify connect and you can basically see what's playing on any Spotify client that's logged into the same account as yours. And you can, I think you can even stop remotely the other the other device from playing, or you can like transfer it to your current app, your current like yeah. app local window, and, and carry on from where you left off. So yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love it's to all, see all over the server. None of it over you know Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. All over the server. So that, that's yeah, like the, that. the Wi-Fi handoff stuff should be for if like friends come around and they want to like put music on your speakers. But yeah. if it's just your account logged in everywhere, you shouldn't have to like manually bump stuff it should just iCloud yeah. should just sync it all make it a feature of iCloud Plus I don't care <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you need iCloud Plus to have Apple. well I guess you technically don't but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so there's that we, um, we mentioned watch OS uh, well Mark's last, obviously- last thing I'll say on, yeah. last thing I'll say on music is just to crossfade songs that you can do on Android oh yeah <laughs> and, and the Mac iTunes <laughs> on Windows you know to catch up to an, an, an Apple Music Android feature from like a year and a half ago yeah we mentioned watch, watch a few times in reference to the low power mode thing. That's obviously what Mark reported a couple of weeks ago. Basically, instead of just power reserve, where you only get the time in that green font, you'll be able to get like a proper low power mode, which lets you do some app interactions, uh, extend the battery life of the watch. Do you think uh, power you, reserve will stick around? Because power reserve still like low, will exist, yeah, if you get really desperate. Yeah, it sounds like low power mode will be like from 20% to, you know, one. You just use less, like always on display turns off and you get, you you know, uses less features. And then you'd still have low power mode mm-hmm. for like, because that lasts several days, right? Yeah, power reserve lasts like five days. Yeah, yeah, because you have to like hold a button down for a few seconds for you to even get the time. But. And it's obviously in like the green font, which is like the easiest for the OLED screen to show, like lowest battery. Yeah, we, we need third party low power mode or power reserve faces. 
<laughs> Can you imagine if they gave you a choice of that? <laughs> the watch faces. I mean, Mark has also said that there's going to be significant watch face changes uh, for WatchOS 9 I, this year. But that just sounds to me like what he mentioned more specifically, which was updating older watchOS faces yeah. for the bigger screens. We can dream, but yeah, I think you're right. That yeah, I think he's going to do a pass over all the old faces. Yeah, I think I think that you know significant. I don't think it sounds like there's going to be a lot of new customization options. I think just I think by that he just means they're they're going to run over all the old ones or most of the old ones or some of the old. Yeah, you you are correct, but I, I I'd love it to not be the case. <laughs> I, I'd also hope for um like again we spoke about this on the show a couple of weeks back uh, like the continuous activity tracking thing. So like I don't have to walk down the road and when it taps me on the wrist saying. I think you're walking. Do you want to start a walking workout? Yes. Then when you stop walking, you have to say no to cancel the, you know, you have to finish the workout afterwards. Like that just feels very old fashioned to me. It should just, if I don't explicitly start a workout session, it can just record those inform- that stats, those stats in the background. Fitbit has something like this. Why can the Apple Watch not do it? Like it can just do it passively. It basically marks regions of time and then it can do like approximate calorie guesses. And then at the end of the month, you can look back and say, oh, I was walking for three hours this month. That's great. Whereas bef- if you were just like, Walking around, you might not feel bothered to like get an actual workout started and then track that metric. So automatic, like workout activity tracking, definitely something I'd like to see. Better sleep tracking, obviously, because the Apple sleep tracking solution is pretty terrible. Mark also suggested that they're going to do like a pass over the entire like operating system, like how you navigate. Um, I didn't have a big complaint in that department on the Apple Watch, but I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it if there is you know something that's actually really really big because the 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 basic way that you navigate an apple watch hasn't changed i'd say since like watch os3 like that was the last time they really started like stop moving the furniture around yeah yeah maybe they're gonna add a feature where you can swipe up from the bottom and you have like little app snippets like little you mean like glances (laughs) (laughs) that was a g that was yeah 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 you know this the side button that was originally for your friends list uh to get to when digital touch was a was a big factor of promoting the watch, they replaced that with the dock. You know, a smaller list of favorited apps, and they and they changed how the dock looks over time. Um, but I don't know a whole button for that doesn't seem. Uh, you, you need two buttons for for lots of things. You know, screenshots if you're one of us, and um, you know, rebooting the watch if it's stuck, and other things. But um, I'm not so sure that that the dock is is so useful that. It, it that's what should be attached to that button you know if, if you know i don't like that the, um, the friends thing was kind of cool i thought you know like at least the concept was cool mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. if they added a lot more features to it that would make it a, a lot better of an idea yeah yeah I, I think that to get to communication i mean the, the alternative is that you put your messages up in the dock and then you get there another way but um it would be interesting uh, you know i i hope this is more interesting than boring i, I guess i'll, I'll say uh, I hope the honeycomb doesn't go away because I know people don't love it, but uh, I still prefer it to the alphabetical list. I 100% if, prefer it to the alphabetical list. Yeah. If they could do a list mode that you uh, order yourself, like sort it yourself, <laughs> that might be okay. But the alphabetical list is, you know, even with only system apps is kind of a lot of work to get to an app. Um, but but uh, yeah, I am curious about this, you know, how does it change? Are they going to change something as as much as you click the the digital crown and you go to your 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 app grid or your app list? You know, are they going to change what happens when you swipe down or swipe up? 
you know, are they going to change the, what the, the side button does? Those are the kind of things I'm interested in. Yeah, there's a big um, spectrum of significant change that they could do, right? So yeah, and and also uh, when they removed uh, on the watch, it was called Force Touch because it's the entire screen, not just a part of the screen, which is 3D Touch. Um, they 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 had some compromises on that, like. You launch the calendar for the first time, and it tells you you can change the calendar view in the settings app. Yeah, that is so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they changed. You know, it used to be that way. I think for the the app layout, you know, you could change from list to grid that way. And I think they made it where you long. Excuse me, losing my voice here. Long press. Yeah, you can long press, and it comes up with the like because before long press would only make the apps jiggle, right? And then they change it. So now when you long press, it comes up with a menu that lets you change between grid view and list view. And then there's a button that says edit apps, which then makes the icons jiggle. Yeah. So eliminating <laughs> sort of the the like quick reaction to removing uh, force types would be kind of nice. Like get rid of the hacks and think about how you'd actually organize it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he also, he also says that the system apps, it seems like each one will have, or, you know, some will have, some attention paid to them, especially fitness features, which cool. But there's things like, you know, go back to calendar. You, you can't see, uh, you can see a month view of dates, but you can't, like if you're on, on, um, you know, May 31st, you can't see June 1st and beyond, even though it's the next day and the next week. So, and that's something very simple that, you know, seems, <laughs> there's third party apps for that. Calendary, I think is the one I've tried or better time or better day been a while but um that seems like a very annoying limitation and then uh, you know my pet peeve on the watch is just like a feature i try out and it's limited is that you can't multitask on a phone call um if you're using the apple watch with cellular for a phone call and you want to reference something in your email or on your calendar and you leave the interface from the phone call to go to your home screen you can't it says in call to do that and that just seems like a holdover from the from the early bad hardware. Yeah, that's so dumb. That would be a significant update. That would be significant, yeah. Uh, iPad, don't have much to say. Like, I don't use my iPad much at the moment. I hope they can do stuff that makes me want to buy a new iPad and use it more. There's obviously, again, smoke and fire around changes to multitasking. There was some WebKit code that came out in on GitHub that referenced like a, a new multitasking mode. People immediately jumped to that, meaning like, like a desktop, like resizable floaty windows that you can overlay and overlap each other. The the code didn't necessarily support that. It didn't say that's. It didn't necessarily know that's not what it is, but it didn't say that definitely was what it is either. It could just be like maybe you can have three apps at a time and you can freely change the divider. So instead of you know, whereas right now it's like fixed layouts of like 70, 30, 50, 50. Maybe you can re- rearrange anywhere along that percentage wherever you want. And maybe you can then chuck another app in on the right-hand side as well to tile three at a time. Uh, incredible innovation, I know. Like, a lot of people out there want, like, just pure desktop floating windows. I don't get the sense that Apple wants to give that. I still think they think of that as more of, like, a Mac desktop thing. But maybe there's been so much complaining about, like, people wanting to use the iPad for more serious stuff. And they keep adding, like, keyboard and cursor input and all this stuff. So at some point, you kind of have to just, like, let go of your previous design goals and be like look what we are doing isn't working people want other stuff maybe we'll just give in and let them have it so perhaps that's what's coming i that's not gonna like multiple windows uh, like overlapping windows that alone isn't what will make the ipad more productive to me like it helps but just general like 
doing being able to do my job and do my stuff, I still think I'll be more productive on a Mac. And I'll, I'll I'll look in hope at what they do and what they change this year on iPad OS. But I'm not like think it's because for me the iPad's so much worse than a Mac for productivity use cases in like ten different ways. It's not just one issue. Multitasking is a big issue, but there's plenty other problems like the fact that data between apps still can't coordinate and be shared amongst them very easily. Um, so I'm not like super pumped to see what's coming in. IP- like I'll be honest, like iPad OS is like my lowest interest OS at the moment, and maybe they can do something crazy that really gets me back into the fold. But for now, uh, not 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 like I wouldn't put stock in it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I look for in iPad OS to make it more desktop like, you know, or get more out of it, is to be able to plug it into the studio display or another USB C monitor. And not have have it actually it, fill the screen. <laughs> yeah, have have it not have pillar boxes on either side. Um, you know, and if you've got a, a layout where you can have three or, or or more apps where you rearrange them when they're all on a you know snap together, that's better. But I, I do feel like when you get to the, a a desktop display, that at that point, it makes sense to have windowing. Yeah. You know, windowing is hard, even uh, on the largest iPad screen. You know, you've got 13 inches and, you know, you can't do a whole lot of window layouts on a Mac. It's a lot of windows on top of windows rearranged, um, you know, and you rely on mission control to kind of switch, you know, get between. But, um, yeah, once you connect it to a display and, and, and you know, I also think about this, the my MacBook Air with an M1 chip. You know, it runs fine as a laptop. I can plug it up to the studio display and I have sort of the iMac, 27 iMac experience in terms of, you know, display and layout. But um, the iPad, even though it has the same chip and power as the MacBook Air now, you, you it's still 10 hours of battery. And like, that's that's the challenge there. They've, they've, they've never exceeded 10 hours to the point where they say the iPad gets 12 hours of battery mm-hmm. life or 15 hours of battery life. And you know, that's where the MacBook Air exceeds really is it's got so much battery life that it feels like magic. And on the iPad, if you were, even though you've got the same performance, if you were to, you know, tap into that performance, then the battery life would maybe not be so compelling. You might be down to five uh, of active use unless you have a bigger battery, you know. So that that, that could come down to just efficiency over the years, you know, uh, chip improvements and being more efficient and then also battery technology being better. Um, yeah, because right now it feels like you can do less on the iPad, and then when you try and do the same task as a Mac, you then get like half as much battery life, which is kind of yeah, terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Being able to record another be- a benchmark for me is being able to record a podcast on the iPad, like we do on the Mac, where we can have a call in Zoom, have it record in case we we lose our tracks, and then have our local tracks record for the actual show. You know that kind of thing. Seems like you know. <laughs> that seems like a thing. perfectly reasonable, like middle ground bar to aim for. That like yeah, the iPad for, should be able to do this. You should be able to like pro record iPad. a podcast, edit the podcast, and publish the podcast all on the iPad. It doesn't require yeah. like a lot of keyboard work, right? Like editing experience. We've already seen like um, what's the app called? I've forgotten its name. Well, we had Anchor. There's also uh. The one Jason Snell uses sometimes, that one. Yeah, I haven't. It's fair, 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 right, fair, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, but like the recording experience is a real issue, and you don't get yeah. like the PA's experience or the audio hijack experience that you can use on a Mac. You, 
you're kind of stuck in a in a bad place. So that should be something that like a design goal that Apple should be like, you know, regardless of how we achieve it, that's something that should be possible. So we'll see if iPadOS 16 actually actually gets us there. Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Collide. Collide sends important and timely security recommendations to your employees right inside of Slack. That means they get custom security advice and information as Slack alerts, appropriate for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. Get started by visiting collide.com slash happy hour and sign up today. That's Collide with a K. And as a happy hour listener, you can get some free swag by signing up. So don't forget to enter your email when prompted to receive your free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to overstep and be so invasive that they merely lock down employee devices to the point of them being essentially unusable. So instead of frustrating the people that are working for you, Collide is an educational tool teaching security and device management practices and directing them to fix important problems. That includes things like getting developers to set up passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys or teaching how to securely store two-factor authentication codes and not just have them written on a post-it on the fridge or stored in your downloads folder. And also stuff like convincing employees to uninstall evil browser extensions that may be invading their privacy and selling their browser history to third parties. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. So get started at collide.com slash happy hour today. That's spelled K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash happy hour. K-O-L ide dot com slash happy hour collide.com slash happy hour enter your email at that url to get a free swag goodie bag after signing up to a trial one more time collide.com slash happy hour thanks to collide for sponsoring the show okay we've got uh hardware to discuss apple tv and HomeKit, and next up is mac os uh there's a mac os uh rumors here pretty pretty light <laughs> Mark actually had one interesting detail that he said the system preferences app is going to be redesigned to be more similar to iOS settings. Yep, and that's the reason for the update this year. That. <laughs> that's macOS 16. I like. I think it's 14. Uh, oh, it's yeah, 13. 14. Yeah, it's, 13, 13. Apple's numbers are still stupid because, yeah, it's iOS 16, <laughs> watchOS 9, iPadOS 16, macOS 13. Um, unlucky for some. And maybe the system preferences redesign will make everybody mad. But I think it's been one of those things that, like, obviously in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But it does feel like system preferences feels a bit like of a different era and not up to what you'd expect from modern Apple software. Because just like the design, I think, is kind of confusing. And the way that the iPad does it, where you have like a two column layout and it's kind of like organized by app on the left. So if you want to fix something about calendar, you just look for the calendar icon, you click calendar. If you want to see something about this app, you click that. And then all the third party apps also have a section in settings. And then you go to system preferences on the Mac and it's like this categorization and it's not really sure. Like you click on a a panel and then there's like five tabs inside that panel. The only way I ever find something in system preferences these days is by using the little search field and then it like takes you to where you need to be, which is cool. But the general organization probably could do with being more familiar to like an, an iPad user. And maybe this is the time they actually rename it as well. Like maybe in macOS 13, it's, it's actually just called settings and not system preferences. Yeah, I saw somebody joke on Twitter and they said they're going to call it system settings, uh, or just preferences would be, would be funny. But yeah, settings makes sense. Um, I I would hope for like a cross between the iPad app and, and this app because the I, I, iPad app, like uh, again, I don't love the iPad stuff. Mm. <laughs> so 
you know, don't want, don't want to step backwards. You know, this is uh, the current layout. I mean, it isn't like flexible in terms of resizing and everything, but it is a pretty dense, compact layout. And um, to lose that, I think would be too bad. So yeah, there's definitely a chance they do it badly. So <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, we haven't mentioned it in this episode, but I think we all want a, a, a password app, which is yes, a, a, yeah, w- which would apply to macOS and, and and iOS, iPadOS. But that's a, that's a, a very nice section in the system preferences up in the Mac that could be its own app, and people would love that. So um, maybe this will be the year. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. For my feature request for the for Mac OS, it's it's like uh, the activity app on the Mac without AirPlay for Fitness Plus would be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. AirPlay isn't isn't doesn't quite count. Um, I know people don't like notifications. I've I've got you know I I, I don't know I, I think maybe all I want is like one big clear all button and then I'd be happy with it. Uh, I use a hot corner in the top right corner to invoke notification center with widgets below that and i'm kind of okay with that um beyond that you know it's just features like you know i mentioned iCloud sync for music and uh, you know bring that to the mac as well as, as part of you know what syncs and um you know i just don't have like i think part of it is is, is you just don't you don't want to dream too big on the mac because you, you don't feel like it's likely you know yeah yeah yeah, at most, what you can kind of hope for is that if there's a Mac app that lacks features, that you'll get the iPad version, you know, tuned for the Mac in- instead. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, I'm thinking about the home app and how it could be so much more, but I feel like you, you I feel like the best you're ever going to get is the iPad home app. And that. The iPad home app could be so much more as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, ri- rising ships, some rising tides, helpful boats, or something. That phrase, you know what I mean? The ship that leaks. The ship that leaks from the top. The ship that leaks from the top. <laughs> That's the yeah. Apple Car department. That is. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, regarding notifications on the Mac, I don't mind how it is, apart from a couple of little things. So one, when you get a message notification in the old days, like three years ago there'd just be like a text field in the message box in the in the in the notification alert you could just type yeah. in that text box and, and then press enter and it would reply mm-hmm. not last year's update but the years before update they like broke it so now you don't have a text box anymore you have to like move your mouse up to the very corner to click like show more options then you have to click reply then the text box shows then you can type and press enter which is like so many steps it's un- it's crazy for something that's meant to be a convenient you might as well just action. click the the alert you might as well just yeah. click the alert which is what i do and i assume what everybody does so if they could revert that back to it just having the text box right there on screen because you know this is a mac we've got loads of space for it i'd be really happy about that the thing about the like uh like the layout of all the notifications in like that sidebar i don't mind notifications being in that off-screen notification center sidebar but i hate that it only shows you like three at once like it doesn't take up the full height of the screen because they shovel the widgets below either they need to make it like properly two separate columns so you can have like a full screen height of widgets and a full screen height of notifications because literally i'm on my 16 inch maverick pro here it shows me three notifications and nothing else because it's just got widgets below it's like why can i not just like have them side by side i've got the whole rest of the screen over here doing nothing um but what I really want to be able to do is take the widgets and put them on the home screen directly so I could put like weather directly on, not on the home screen, on the desktop, right? So I really want to put weather directly on the desktop. 
And so that would make me not care so much about the layout and notification center. And maybe if you can put widgets direct in the desktop, then they could make notifications full height and not worry about it because widgets have a different place to live. That's what I'd like to see. Do I think they're going to do it? No, I do not. Yeah. I want dark mode to look better. <laughs> I don't use dark mode. I know. I, I do use it. And it's like kind of like gray and brown mostly. You, you can reduce contrast and get a better looking dark mode, but then it also affects every other visual aspect of macOS. So I don't do that. But I do want dark mode to look better because I think people have thought it's have long thought it's always looks kind of weird in a way that you don't think that on iOS, iPadOS. And I, I you know, again, I think it's just like it, it could be revisited as a thing. Um, other than that, like, can you think of anything on the iPhone or iPad that you can't do on the Mac that you wish Ooh. you could? Mm, I'm struggling to like think back, of something. Yeah, like back to activity, it just comes to app availability. Yeah, like um, fitness apps not there, health apps yeah. not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, there's that, uh, and I don't think anybody uses Siri. I don't know how Siri could be better on the Mac, but um, <laughs> nobody uses it on the Mac. Yeah, yeah. People barely Maybe. use it on the iPhone. Let's be real. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, the Mac's yeah. mature. Like, it's not going to get crazy features. Mac's and you remember pretty, that one year good. where they added like stacks or like a stack organization on the desktop it's like wow now you can put all this stuff in stacks it's like crazy but nobody uses it you know like i use it no you don't i use it right you now use stacks on the desktop okay i have a document stack i have a pdf document stack which i don't know why they're different <laughs> <laughs> i have uh screenshots i have images <laughs> okay i i rescind my comment apparently somebody yeah. uses it yeah, you know, I, like I use control- quite a lot. I use that thing where you shake your mouse and it makes the cursor really big. <laughs> I turned it off because my cursor, I was always shaking it on that. <laughs> I turned it off. Uh, I like when they added control center. That was good. Yeah, yeah, even control if you don't have nice. a notch. Yeah, even if you don't have a notch. Um, and the, like, those, are, those are the kind of things that I think. Oh, I nice. wish they'd give you an option so you can turn off the stupid orange dot. Yeah, I don't like the orange dot. I'm not going to do that. I wish <laughs> uh, Launchpad had app, was app library. And it had the organization, you know, options of app library. I know nobody uses Launchpad. I like Launchpad. It's pretty. What it would you it. choose to put Launchpad as your desktop if you could? Yeah. <laughs> like on the iPhone, sure. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that they need to fix the Launchpad icon. It used to be so freaking cool. Even when they flattened it out, it's like the rocket. And then they made it. I don't know what it is now because I took it off my dock. It's, but it's something not good. terrible, yeah. It's just a bunch of squares. It's not it's good. It's just a bunch of squares. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a badly drawn version of a iPad home screen, kind of. Yeah. They they need to go back to the OS ten design when you had a your dock was <laughs> I like that. Your dock was actually oh. nicely looking, yeah. Your dock was a dock and not like a a blob of when, rectangle. Yeah, I see. Those were the days, you know. Those were the days. Uh, Apple TV OS slash HomeKit updates. They're probably going to talk more about Matter. Obviously, I'd love for them to do bigger stuff in the TV department. Again, I feel like it's going to be limited. I'd come hoping for a TVOS Home app because they don't have one of those. They just rely you to go through like Control Center to find your cameras or to talk to Siri to like turn stuff off and on. But having a visual UI is always good. We spoke about this before about maybe the TV app should be more integrated into like the actual desktop or like the home screen experience of the Apple TV. That would be nice. Uh, I don't think they can do that either. Maybe they could put like all I'm, I want them to have like a more predominant usage of like the user account system because other people in my household don't remember to switch accounts. So 
either like a regular pop-up that like checks when like every other video app yeah on the apple tv yeah like every other video app does it individually but i feel like on the home screen of the apple tv there should just be a big circle which is your avatar so then people can immediately realize oh i'm on the wrong account switch account because you end up just with your up next queue getting proliferated with everybody else stuff that they're watching because nobody remembers to switch the accounts back and forth yeah if the apple tv had like a camera maybe it could do that automatically but it doesn't so we need visible ui instead uh obviously homepod side series the main situation there they can anything they can do to make that better is always welcome but it's always very slow plotting progress i don't think we're going to see anything crazy on the apple tv or the homepod side until they have new hardware to come out with it like that soundbar thing which is probably going to be like a next year never going to happen device (laughs) but let's talk about possible hardware that could arrive well well one more thing for me on apple tv feature request wise is um screensavers dinosaurs that's all i got screensavers is dinosaur screen that would be nice yeah yeah that would be nice all right hardware I've okay. put three in the show notes. If you have other suggestions, I'm happy to hear them. But M2 MacBook Air, or at least the new MacBook Air with the redesign, seems like a maybe. Not a guarantee, but a possibility. They need to start the second generation of Apple Silicon at some point. They could start. If the hardware's ready to ship, why not MacBook Air? Maybe it's a Mac Mini too, but obviously there's a lot of smoke around this big redesign of the MacBook Air with the, you know, white bezels, thinner design, more premium appeal, like higher and Mavericker option. If it's ready to go, now's a great time to bring it out. If it's not ready to go, it's going to come out in the fall. But uh, This pushback online about, you know, light gray bezels or, you know, beige bezels or whatever it ends up being, like the iMac. Um, and it's only been, I think, since 2018 that, that the MacBook Air has had black bezels. Mm-hmm. Before that, they were, just, they were actually, like, part of the aluminum. Yeah, they were silvery, yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see MacBook Air next week? I don't know. They want they want to do it. They want to release it. I want to see it, but I have no idea if it's going yeah. to be next week or it's not. Pro- it's going to be a this year thing, but I, if you push me on it, I'd probably say holiday season. I think they're going to announce the M2 like generation in some regard, even if it's only for the Mac Pro tees, because I feel like that's the thing that I'd give the most probability of happening. They already teased it at the March event. Yeah. This is WWC. This is where they've shown off the 2013 Mac Pro and the 2019 Mac Pro. There's plenty of historical precedent for it. They already teased it in March. This is the perfect venue to sneak peek announce the new Mac Pro, the the Apple Silicon Mac Pro. I'm sure it's running next generation Apple Silicon. They can announce that. They can say how crazy powerful it is. They can say it's coming, you know, end of the year, early 2023, whatever they want to say. It will have no impact on the sales of the rest of the Macs. And I don't think there's any awkwardness of them announcing like the super high end M2 chip now and then having to like follow through with the consumer products over time. I don't think anybody cares. It's just they can say, look, this is our top end product. This is our top end chip. This is what it's offering. We're going to offer it to our highest end professional customers in the Mac Pro. Then when September rolls around, they're going to do the MacBook Air then. They'd be like, hey, look, the M2 has the, the this MacBook Air has the M2 chip in it. It's so advanced and so much faster and so much better than the previous MacBook Air. Like, I don't think there's any like ordering issues in terms of marketing. So, Mac Pro, Pro would be the one. If you want me to bet on something, I'd be like, we're going to see a Mac Pro on Monday. And then that's something that they can put in a hands on lab for people to stare at for the people that are in person, too. Yeah. Yeah. Pro Display XDR successor, maybe. That's another possibility. They obviously did the 2019 display. 
2019 Pro Display XDR alongside the 2019 Mac Pro. Yeah. There's been rumors about a Pro Display XDR update or a new like mini LED display professional version, which probably is the Pro Display XDR. Um, I feel like if that, if you know, if they're just previewing the Mac Pro, then and because they have the Pro Display XDR on the market already, that they wouldn't preview months in advance a second monitor. That know, is true. Yeah. That's fair. But it would just, you know, you can just assume it's coming, but but they show the Mac Pro and, and that's it. Yeah, the Mac Pro solo volume, it doesn't matter that the current one's out there and they, they tease another one because they did it last time. I mean, the, the, 2019 Mac, the 2019 Mac Pro was teased in 2017 when they had the Mac Roundtable, right? Like they've, yeah, yeah. They've had multiple years of pre-announcement on that, on that product line. You know what I want the Mac Pro to look like? The 2013 Mac Pro. That was a cool Mac Pro. It's a cool Mac Pro. It, it was a bit impractical, a- but it was cool. <laughs> It never got updated, but like, man, now you have Apple Silicon, you know, probably, probably do something pretty cool in that form factor, you know. Like the Mac Studio, 100% could go in that cylinder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't do it, but 100% it could happen. Fa- the fan would be quieter if it wasn't. The fan thing. would be quieter. Yeah, that's true. And then the big daddy, the big question mark on everybody's heads. Is this the time for the AR headset debut? Well, yeah, because of the patent, right? Or the trademark. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no other option. <laughs> uh, there was that trademark thing, but they already had that trademark before, so. Yeah. What, what the like biggest indicator just... here is that report about in them showing it to the board, right? Like, to me, that feels like it has to be imminent. Why would they show it to the board in April if they weren't going to announce it until the fall? <laughs> Maybe they started to the board and the board was like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> They yeah, went to the, the board's approval and they turned it down. Yeah. <laughs> the, my my doubt here, though, is that the headset is such a big thing and obviously like the history of the headset has been now reported five ways from Sunday. Yeah. the If it was going to be announced, I feel like we would have had like Bloomberg or somebody be like, this is on the cards, this is going to happen. And that hasn't happened. So now I'm starting to doubt it myself. But it feels possible it does feel possible if it's and again it's not going to come out anytime soon it, it could come out next year probably in the spring of 2023 but this feels like a good time to do it and i don't think saving it for like an iphone event is necessarily appropriate because like the first generation headset it's not going to be appealing to the same people that buy iphones it's it, like it's just not it's going to be super expensive super I don't think niche. it's going to be appealing at all yeah yeah exactly it might not appeal to anybody but it's not like with the apple watch they first announced it at a September event alongside the iPhone 6. But that's because people that buy the iPhone 6 were also target market for the Apple Watch. This first generation headset is not like that. It's, the first generation headset is closer to like the market for the studio display or the Pro Display XDR. And they don't get like standalone events or top, you know, top billing at the iPhone event. They're just like kind of slipped in here and there. I think the headset's like that. And if Apple's smart, they're going to approach it and market it in that more subdued fashion. If they save it for the iPhone event and make it like a huge deal, it's just going to draw more attention to a product that isn't going to appeal to 99% of the of the world, right? So Yeah, th- this thing is not the next big thing. At least not yet. Not the first generation yeah. model for sure. The right, glasses, right. the future generation headsets, you know, when it gets a lot a lot more cheaper, right? Maybe. Then then it's okay, then it's at least possible, right? As it stands as what we know the headset to be, like a $2000, $3000 big chunky thing that you can only wear for like four or five hours then you charge it that's not the next big thing that's like a first stepping stone towards a possible alternate reality where augmented reality can replace your phone 
So maybe they want to have some crazy fanfare like this is the future of Apple in the kind of way that Facebook did with Meta, but that doesn't really feel like Apple to me. So I feel like they got to do this in a much more boring way. I like the idea that that Facebook spends all this money on on on, on uh, you know VR and Meta stuff, and then it never goes anywhere, and they just <laughs> a lot of money. You know? I mean, it is a big bet. It is a big bet, but clearly, what Apple's doing is not smoke and mirrors. They're obviously making something. So, whether it's ready to show off now, or ready to show off at the end of the year, that's like if it, it's a, I in my mind, it's coming out this. It's not coming out. It's being unveiled at some point this year, and it's just a. It's just the choice of is it going to be June, October, or September? Basically, is the is is the timeframes? Yeah, uh, for hardware, uh, you know, they they used to do like the iPhone four was it, this WWDC, right? Yeah, because back it? in those days, they would do the they would do the OS preview in April, so they like announce right, iOS yeah. four in April, and then it would ship in June alongside the new iPhone. Yeah, and and, and I know there's been like mixed track record in terms of hardware at the software event and you know they've definitely done hardware at wdc enough they did the 2017 ipad pros there they've done a load of mac updates like yeah refreshes oh they've done loads of hardware at wdc over time the the original home pod was announced at wdc for instance yeah (laughs) that that worked out great um (laughs) it was a good it came way later you know it it was a good product um but you know if you look at all the things that we kind of expect to be coming soonish, you know, or we, we'd hope that they'd be, you know, showing a preview next week. You've you've got, you know, just just imagine this: that you've got a WWC keynote packed with all these different OS updates, and then you've got uh, an M2 MacBook Air with a new design, you know, presumably a, a Mac Mini update to go along with it, um, a Mac Pro teaser, an AR headset teaser. And a whole explanation about the reality OS, and all <laughs> like that's a lot of stuff. To yeah, be that's not tacked happen. on to the software event. Yeah, yeah. That's so, not my, I mean, my my guess is, I mean, conservatively, is just a Mac Pro teaser, and mm-hmm. that, that feels it feels right. Yeah, um, MacBook Air would be really cool. You know, timing it's just because we want to see it, and we've been waiting for a little bit, little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for like, do the OS updates and then end with a Mac Pro teaser. That's the most likely outcome, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do do a whole thing about the developer center. You know? Oh yeah, oh my, they're gonna do that for sure. <laughs> and everyone's yeah. gonna groan, but they're hundred percent gonna do it. Yeah, because yeah. not only is it a reference to everybody coming in person, it's also a counter to like some of the antitrust stuff about caring about developers. Like the yeah. the developer center is like they probably spent ten million dollars building this facility just to like have something they can give the lawyers to tell the the regulators yeah. that they they are not just like taking the thirty percent and cashing it. They're actually doing stuff. I mean, they had that. That press release, you know, usually we get a lot of press releases before WWDC to get the news out of the way so that you can pack the keynote and, you know, include everything. They, uh, they did one last week or this current week that we're in. That was, um, that last year the app store prevented a a, a billion and a half dollars in fraud transactions. It's like, okay, good for you. (laughs) Do you think in the developer center on the walls, they've got like posters, which is just like, (laughs) <laughs> app store evangelism like here's what Jobs the is being spent on we stopped two billion dollars worth of fraud we have 400 million customers like i can't wait for monday just to see everybody like take photos and videos of the developer center and stuff and show what it actually looks like in there self-funded apple study finds that yeah, you know. yeah that's when they just have plaques for all the self-funded studies <laughs> <laughs> yeah o- overall how are you feeling about wwc 2022 
good, I'd say. Yeah. Like, I think it's like, very murky in terms of what to expect, which is cool because uh-huh. that's surprising. And I don't think it's murky just because it's good and there's going to be nothing announced. Like, I think it's going to be a good year, but we just don't know what it's going to be. I think we felt uh, underwhelmed and had low expectations going into the March event this past year, but then it was very exciting because there was more than just the iPhone SE. Correct. Uh, you know, and, and an updated iPad Air. Uh, there was the Mac Studio. And then, and that was also the, the display event. So that was a lot of fun. This one we feel pretty good about. I mean, we always feel good about the software updates because no matter how, you know, so-so it ends up being, we're always hyped in the beginning. And you've at least got five OSs to get through, right? Like, right. you haven't got yeah. the question of, are they only going to do an iPhone and an SE and nothing else? Like, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. at least got something new across watchOS, macOS, iPadOS, iOS, mm-hmm. tvOS whatever the HomePod runs, Siri, privacy, you know, like those those are like staples. And then we get to play with them for the, the next three months before they actually ship. Yeah, AirTag OS. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I am going going into this. Like I'm, you know, it'll be the highlight of the weekend. It's like, you know, I think right now, like I'm very much in just looking forward to more leaks, you know, not not to spoil the event, but it is fun getting stuff early. And always having like a like a late breaking story to follow, and those never spoil the full event, but um, they're fun. But you know, here's something that Apple developer just posted. Right, what's up? <laughs> File effective bug reports, June second, twenty twenty two. Bugs are an inevitable part of the development process. <laughs> <laughs> you can help squash these sort of problems quickly by identifying the issue you're running to, reproducing it, and filing a bug report. Mm-hmm. I wonder what. Rumored buggy operating system is about to be announced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am super looking forward to WWDC 2022. See what we get. Um, I make no promises about holding off from beta versions, even though it can be painful. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% installing iOS beta. Yeah. The thing they do on the Mac is to is to do it in like a separate hard drive, right? And then you boot from that hard drive and mm-hmm. it's at your full machine. Yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, and this time around, I actually have the storage base to be able to do it. So me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. So, so that's cool. All right, I think that's the show for the week. We'll see you next week. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye.